Hi, I'm David Chong. I'm one of the plastic surgeons at the Royal Children's Hospital. This year, Cultural Diversity Week, a nationwide campaign is celebrating our journeys and our stories. And on that journey is the Royal Children's Hospital, a culturally diverse workplace caring for children and families from across our multicultural nation and from overseas. In this podcast, you're going to hear from people who experience the challenges and rewards of cultural and linguistic diversity at the Royal Children's Hospital. What are our stories? And if we are on a journey, how far have we come? But first, a little about me. Because a couple of years ago, I spoke about my own journey in a video made here at the Children's. As a um, young person, I had the experience of going through prejudice, you know, back in the 70s. It was a different place, Australia. I was very blessed to come to this country, no doubt. But there were people who treated me differently because of the way that I looked. And I always remember that feeling of injustice, that life wasn't fair. Why were these people judging me about something I can do nothing about and actually has nothing to do with who I am? Our first stop relates to my own personal experience. That is, are we judged based on the way we look or where we are from? We asked Katrina Sangster. Katrina is a nurse in the Immigrant Health Service at the Royal Children's Hospital. Particularly in the work that I have done in the past um, in the community as a refugee health nurse, you may see it more evidence, but where people you know, believe that perhaps if someone doesn't speak English that they're not very intelligent, or that if someone's of refugee background that people just assume that there's a sort of stereotypical type of refugee and I guess it's part of my education sessions is trying to highlight that there isn't a stereotypical refugee or person of cold background and it really is about opening up our views. To be culturally responsive, it is really important that it's really about trying to be open and understanding and listening to these families, not making judgments, not having sort of preconceived or uh, biases that are either conscious or unconscious, but being a, an advocate for these people and, and sort of trying to walk in their shoes so that the access to their health is as for any one of us, whether whatever language we do speak. When we're confronted by a cultural or a language barrier, what impact does that have, not just for families, but for staff? When the outpatient letters are sent out, they're all sent out in English as well, so there's that added burden of not being able to understand the actual letter with the appointment time at the very beginning. SMSs are sent out in English, so they're starting off you know, with a very uh, big challenge just to actually access the hospital. Well, I think firstly coming into, into this, well, especially today, when it's just absolutely busy, um, it may be intimidating for them and coming to a, a big place that they may not be used to as well with little English. This is Michelle Testelin. Michelle sits at the reception desk of Specialist Clinic's Desk A5 and everybody that meets her is greeted with a smile. It's busy in Specialist Clinics. Really busy when we meet Michelle. And in this sea of noise and confusion, Michelle is sensitive to what people are going through. 
they're frustrated. They're really frustrated. And it's, sometimes it's frustrating for us because we can't help them, but we want to help them. So we, we, do, we do try our best. There was one time where it was for about 10 minutes we couldn't figure out where their appointment was, why they were coming here. They were wanting to leave and I was like, no, you need to stay. We need to, we need to get to the bottom of it. And they can see that we do want to help them too. Um, and sometimes at the end we all, we both, both parties just have a laugh and Google. Some staff members as well, they'll get Google Translate out with our phones, so that helps as well. And it's more than just an experience at hospital, as Katrina explains. There's obviously the overlay of complexity such as, you know, catching public transport, limited financial resources, not having the language to actually ask for directions. Then they may have spent a lot of time in transit in other countries in very unfamiliar settings as well and not had access to any sort of um, health during that time. about now we need to take a step back to talk about the first peoples of this great land. Because in our nation there is still disparity in the health, education and employment outcomes for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and the rest of the population. The ninth Closing the Gap report from the Australian Government released in February 2017 revealed that as a nation we're still failing on six out of seven Indigenous disadvantaged goals. Mr Speaker, I present today to the Parliament and the people of Australia the ninth Closing the Gap report. This report demonstrates that all Australian governments have much more work to do. The proportion of Indigenous 20 to 24-year-olds who have... So what are we doing about it at Royal Children's Hospital? We are Sharon Monkta, an Aboriginal case manager from the Wadja Aboriginal Family Place. Wadja is a culturally specific service for all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families that come through the hospital and why our service exists. It sort of goes back to colonisation. There's been a lot of fear with authoritarian figures and coming into a big bureaucracy, a hospital like this can be very fearful for families. And I guess the reasons for that goes back to the stolen generations. Hospitals were a place of removal. That sort of fear exists for any mainstream services because of all the past wrongs that have happened. It's intergenerational trauma, so it builds a lot of distrust. Just this morning, we heard a story from a young um, Aboriginal girl from the Northern Territory, and at the time of Stolen Generations, the fairer people in her family, um, they were told to cover their bodies in charcoal so that they looked blacker and they wouldn't be removed. And I think this hospital is really good at recognising that just having that recognition is a way to move forward for the past injustices. I felt sad because I actually wasn't brought up. I probably didn't learn to the extent of what the elder told us about the stolen generation. It was only limited from what I knew. And this is Francesca Corsi. Francesca is one of the reception staff in specialist clinics at the Royal Children's Hospital. Last year, a group of specialist clinic staff were invited to participate in a special cultural awareness training program 
from the Wadja team. It was a real eye-opener and actually made me feel um, sad for the Aboriginal community. I felt partly responsible, even though it's not something personal, but in saying that, I felt that working here at the Royal Children, um, that it was it's my obligation to do everything I possibly can. And it's not just for the Aboriginal people, it's anyone of a cultural uh, background. I've been here 10 years and I've never done anything like it. I didn't know to the extent that I know today the Aboriginal story and it is absolutely beautiful. So I think, yeah, encourage it. We need more stuff like this, regardless of what background or race we are. As Aboriginal workers, I often wonder if our service didn't exist, how would our families cope, you know? It just, yeah, being by their side, you can see the benefits of that. A lot of the families, it's the first time they've been away from their community, let alone interstate. You look at the, the gap in life ex expectancy and, and things like that. Um, I think that really warrants our involvement. I don't think they do get any special treatment. And I mean, there's always, I get the question within the hospital, or uh, how do we interact with an Aboriginal family? And um, my response to that is always, just how you would, you know, talk to any family, do the same with Aboriginal people. I mean, don't be frightened to talk. At the Royal Children's Hospital, you don't have to look far to see a snapshot of multicultural Australia, especially when it comes to our workforce. Right across the organisation, from clinicians to corporate staff, we're proudly diverse. Just take the team, for example, that keeps our hospital ticking day and night. We have it now. Call a country and we, you know, somebody will come from it. So That's Shay Van Duen, a coordinator in the support services team. Shay was born and bred in the Netherlands. His colleague Michael Manlapaz comes from the Philippines. We asked them what it was like starting here. So it was really easy to, to get along with that because I knew, okay, I maybe sound a little bit different in English than anybody else that was born here, but there were so many in the department. I mean, I think we have... We, we calculated one time, what was it, 26 different countries or something, so... Oh, quite hesitant to talk to people. Uh, I might, I was thinking I might say something wrong or my English is not that good for them or they might misunderstood me for something, for what I'm saying. So, it took me a while for... for to speak to people I just I went to school actually so to get my confidence back so so, so after that uh, that's it it didn't, didn't stop I can't stop now <laughs> but there's another side of Michael you may not know country. I finished nursing in my in, in my in the Philippines but for me to, to do nursing here I have to study again because I came from a third world country which is, I, can't, I don't know if you can say that as a form of racism, but how come they don't accept? You have to undergo schooling again, right? But if you, come, if you came from US, easy fix. You came from Europe or you came from London, you can straight, go straight ahead here. 
working as a nurse, right? That's just a good uh, one of the examples that I have encountered here. As Shay would tell us later, the support services team is made up of people from all walks of life. Like Michael, they've left other careers behind on their journey to Australia. Accountants, lawyers, there's even a judge. I was eating lunch in, in, in this Japanese sushi upstairs, yeah? A guy dressed in a suit. Am I alright to share with you guys? Oh, so what do you do here? Oh, I'm just... Uh, we're just cleaners. Oh, don't say that. You're part of the team. I was... Wow. He was... He was awesome. I was... Oh, I was... Oh, we're just cleaners. But he was... What? Your role is important here. He was... And he was like talking very proud. You must be proud of what you do. And actually, I am proud of what us, as I see royal children from other houses. I'm David Chong, and today we're talking about cultural diversity and listening to stories about our diversity journey at the Royal Children's Hospital. Vija is a mother of a patient at RCH. As a family, their whole introduction to parenthood began on the butterfly ward long time in the hospital and quite familiar with the children's by now. I am actually from Indonesia so I was born and brought up in Indonesia but my family is of Indian background. Doesn't matter what culture you are everyone needs support from each other and that usually happens in you know the parents room in the family room and all the mums take a break. We all just sit there together and just you know vent, cry, talk about whatever we wanted to talk about, just support each other in, you know, even the littlest way possible. From these stories, it's clear that people think deeply about the challenges and opportunities that cultural diversity can bring to the care we provide. I just want equality for all, you know, inclusiveness, self-determination. How the Muslim community are treated, I think, is just absolutely appalling. Um, I feel like I can really relate to how they feel because they're really portrayed negatively in the media and you know all this jazz about not wearing a burqa and all that stuff. I mean that's their culture. I mean so be it. If they want to wear one so they should. I don't think other people should di dictate to them of what they can and can't do. It's their culture. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what language you speak, what country you come from, as long as there's a bit of empathy and being able to understand what you're going through, you know, being able to understand that sometimes you are, one day you're angry, the next day you're really upset and then the next day you are very happy. You know, I think all the mums that I've spoken to during my stay and who have always been in touch with as well, even after the hospital stay, I think we all sort of have that common ground and understand each other that way. And that breaks that culture barrier. Then it doesn't matter anymore where they're from, it doesn't matter anymore what language they speak. You just understand each other. One thing I have learned here from Australia is you have the right. You have, even though you, you're from a refugee camp, even though you don't speak good English, is we have the same rights as you have. 
perhaps in our journey, we can never lose sight of that. We have equal rights, no matter where we are from, our culture or our beliefs. And to keep fueling our journey, we need to think about these issues and talk about these issues. Because if we don't, the journey stops here and we can't let that happen. Oh, I love working with the families and seeing the positive outcomes, you know, with the children is just, makes it all worth it at the end of the day. <laughs> Before we finish, I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this program was made, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respect to their elders, past and present. If you want to learn more about what you've heard today, why not look up some of these resources? Wadja Aboriginal Family Place, the RCH Reconciliation Action Plan, the RCH Immigrant Health Service, RCH Interpreter Services and AIMS Australia at ames.net.au. This program was produced by the RCH Creative Studio. I'm David Chong. Thanks for listening. <laughs>